I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Episode 100 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you. To break down another week of Knicks and NBA talk. What a milestone. 100 episodes. Before we get to the playoffs. Before we get to the epic atmospheres at the Garden. And the Knicks getting back into this series with the Hawks. I just want to say how thankful. How grateful. uh, I am to you guys. You guys have been. Listening to this podcast for, gosh, coming up on two years now. We're coming up on two years of this podcast. By the way, every week we've posted. We have not missed a week. We have figured it out around holidays, COVID, these crazy events. You guys have stuck with this show through thick and thin, literally. And I could not be any more indebted to you guys. A hundred episodes Forever longer I do this show, I don't know how much longer, you know, you never know, right? It could be for another hundred, it could be for more, less, you know, you never know. I I just wanted to thank you guys, take this time, this is the perfect time to thank you guys for a hundred episodes. Here's to the next 100 if it's possible. Here's to you guys, hope you're staying safe out there, hope you're getting vaccinated, hope you are enjoying some of this good weather. I'm not in the tri-state area, but I've heard it's been pretty nice. Um, It's nice down here in Florida. It's even nicer coming off of a Knicks win in the playoffs as well. Um, Let's start there on this week's show. First, just a round of applause from me to the Knicks fans. My God, you guys are animals. Um, The only fan that I can't applaud is the fan that spat at Trey Young. That was handled appropriately by the Knicks. I wanted to get that out of the way early. Disgusting act there. No place for it in the NBA, let alone at Madison Square Garden. And I'm glad that 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 man was handled the right way. We'll get to another fan incident later on in the show as well. Just uh, down I-95. We'll talk about that as well. But first and foremost, to to the rest of the Knicks fans, my God, you guys are amazing. The return to Madison Square Garden, not e- it's not even full, by the way. It's still not full. It's about, I think, I think it's about close to three quarters full, but it's not full. It's not, you know, total capacity. You guys were awesome. Watching the first two games was just, I mean, the amount of times I just got up out of my seat in my, in my couch in my little Florida apartment was just, <laughs> I mean, I was so happy. I know we, you know, listen, game one was a tough one. Knicks played really hard, played really well. Trey Young just had a, had a really strong finish to the game, hit the big shot late. Knicks did not get a good shot at the end. I thought the Knicks could have drawn up a better play, maybe gotten quickly or Derrick Rose a look, getting maybe gotten even Julius Randle a better look. But they've been hounding Randle the entirety of these first two games. Julius Randle's had a tough time of it. Nate McMillan's not letting him beat them. And the Knicks... Didn't really find a way to deal with that in game one. They found a way to deal with it in game two. 
And listen, Knicks were down by 15 at the end of the first half. They rallied back in the third quarter. The Garden was rocking the whole time in both games. Um, you know, Trey Young could be another, you know, one of those villains. And it was nice to kind of silence him in game two, at least at the end of the game. He still had a great game at 30 points. But the Knicks got one over on him and hopefully will continue to get one over on him in Atlanta, where it should be a pretty good atmosphere as well. Atlanta hasn't been there in quite some time in the playoffs either. So the Knicks will have a, a tough environment to go into, but I'm excited to see how they deal with it. And hopefully they'll get a game or two, possibly. We'll see how that goes in Atlanta. But the Knicks response, down a game, down 15 points at the end of the first half. They played exactly how I expected them to play in the second half. They came out fighting for their playoff lives, and they came back to win 101-92. to The Garden I, I, was amazing. The Obi Toppin alley-oop, I thought the roof was going to blow off the place. Uh, it was just... I, for someone like me, for many people out there like you who've been starred for Knicks basketball, that first of all, the RJ Barrett dunk in game one, I, I hadn't gotten that excited over a Nick play in over a decade. And then uh, the, the alley-oop dunk to Obi Toppin in game two, I, I haven't been that excited over a Nick play in the playoffs since the Emont Shumpert putback dunk in the second round against Indiana back in 2013. That's the last time I got really excited about a New York Nick playoff play. And, and I had two of them to just go nuts about, among others, over these last few days. It's it's just been amazing. I've just thoroughly enjoyed, even, you know, again, we lost a heartbreaker in game one, but the the garden atmosphere has just been off the charts and I always expect it to be great and it always you know exceeds my expectations I just couldn't be happier with the way the garden crowd was obviously that with that one incident aside these last few games and can't wait to see how they do uh after the Knicks hopefully go and steal one or two on the road in Atlanta and come back for a game five I can't wait for the garden to get another shot at him uh, in game five, but obviously there's work to be done. It's a one, one series game. Three will be very important for both teams. Obviously Nick's looking to get one, maybe get greedy in Atlanta for a second. We'll have to see how that goes in games three and four before return to Madison square garden for game five. So we'll see how that goes. But for right now, the Knicks are back in the series. They played really well in game two. They played well in game one, Trey young. They just couldn't stop him. They didn't adjust well to him down the stretch he kept getting inside and making plays still had a good game in game two but the Knicks really limited the rest of the supporting cast specifically in the in the second half and even more specifically in the last five minutes Atlanta had I think one point in the last five minutes of game two that's coach Thibodeau's defense making a huge stand at the end at the garden amazing amazing the scenes by the way on uh oh geez was it I think it was just outside the garden on 7th Avenue. I mean, just awesome. I mean, come on. It was just incredible on the streets of New York. It just shows you how much they love this team, how much we love the Knicks. And again, you know, it's only one win. There's still three more to get, hopefully, in this series for the Knicks. But it was just, that was a lot of just, we've been dying for a Knicks playoff win for the last almost 10 years, we finally got one, and hopefully there's more to come in this playoff series. A lot of other storylines to get to in the NBA playoffs. We're going to get to as many as we can 
in the time we have allotted. But we got to, again, salute the Knicks for a great game two performance. Listen, I loved how quickly he's played the first two games. Reggie Bullock, specifically in game two, came up huge. It was a massive uh, performance from him. Julius Randle still hasn't really gotten into the series yet because he's been hounded, doubled and triple teamed at times. If they can figure that out with him in, a, in an even better way, Knicks could really do some damage in this series, seriously. So it's great to see that. And then Derek Rose. I mean, Derek Rose led all scorers in game two, came up with huge shots in both games. Derek Rose has been phenomenal for the New York Knicks this entire season. He came up huge in both games, specifically in game two. He was key in the victory. And it was a Tom Thibodeau adjustment that led to the win in in the end. It was leaving Julius Randle on with a lot of the bench players in the second half that really led to the comeback. It was a huge adjustment that Tibbs made at a vital juncture in the game. And it paid off for the Knicks to get back in the series and even things up at a game apiece. So got to give Tibbs credit. Got to give the defense credit. Nerland's Noel, crucial over the first two games also. So I, I really love the way that this Knicks team played. I, I, they, they're more than up for it. The Garden crowd was immaculate. It was great seeing Tracy Morgan, Spike Lee, 50 Cent, Sting. Everyone was out. Everyone was loving it over these first two games. It was just awesome. It was, it was Knicks basketball back on the big stage. And I couldn't have been any happier about it. It was just awesome. Share with me in the comments if you want your experiences watching these first two games. If you were at the games, please feel free to let me know how the experience was. Obviously, I can't be there. Uh, I was I was thinking about if I was still in the tri-state area trying to get tickets because I am vaccinated. Couldn't, you know, because of work. Obviously, I'm down in Florida. So let me know what you guys thought. I, I mean, it, it was just awesome. And again, hopefully uh, when we go to Atlanta now for games three and four, hopefully more good things to come for the Knicks on the road. A place, to be fair, worth noting, Atlanta has played really well. The Hawks have played very well at home towards the end of this regular season. I think they've won 11 in a row at home. So the Knicks will have to break that if they want to get another game, or I should say if they want to take the lead in this series. So big game on on Saturday, Friday? Friday or Saturday. It's coming up just around the corner, game three. I think it's Friday between the Knicks and the Hawks. So it's exciting. I really can't wait for the next game. And obviously the Knicks will hopefully take the lead and we'll see where they go from there in this series. But again, big game three. Knicks trying to end the Hawks winning streak at home and we'll see how it goes from there. But the boys have played so well in these first two games and obviously hoping they can take the lead and go on to win this series against the Atlanta Hawks. Now going around the rest of the NBA, we'll get a couple of the dud series, believe it or not, out of the way first. Philly doing what they have to do against the Washington Wizards. They took the first two games. Wizards played pretty well in game one. They had a chance to come back and win that game. They didn't take it. Uh, Russell Westbrook didn't play great in game two. We also left with an ankle injury. And then this is the other fan incident. He gets popcorn thrown on him as he's going into the locker room. It's bad enough that that happened, right? But it's even worse considering Russell Westbrook's history with fan interactions. This is like the third or fourth time that Russell Westbrook has had a problem with a fan. Fans are not nice to Russell Westbrook. They're not nice to to a lot of NBA players that are on the road. But there have been four times where Russell Westbrook, three or four, where he's been really badly picked on. 
And that's putting it lightly. He's been racially abused in Utah. He's had issues in other arenas over the years. And now in Washington, while he's playing for Washington, in Philly, this nonsense happens. And luckily the fan was was escorted out. Hopefully he gets a ban from the arena. This is the kind of stuff that has no place in the NBA. Mention the issue with Trey Young. No place. No place for it in the NBA. That fan should be banned from the Garden. And the fan that did it at Wells Fargo should be banned from Wells Fargo. There's no place for that. So I felt terrible for Russell Westbrook. He's hurt. He's leaving the floor with help to get off the floor and get attended to in the locker room. And and a jerk does that to him. And pardon me, I almost can't curse on this show, really. But I, I, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's just awful. Awful. Sixers went on to win. They're up two games to none. They're really in complete control. There's really nothing else to say about this series at the moment. As long as Embiid stays healthy, I think the Sixers will probably, I hate to say it, win this in four or five games. I think the Wizards are capable of getting a game. They showed that in game one. But for right now, uh, they look like they're in big trouble especially if Russell Westbrook is seriously hurt. So Sixers are two up. They have a big advantage in the series in multiple ways, and I think they'll probably go on and win this in short order over the Washington Wizards. The other series that I did not expect this to happen with is the Milwaukee-Miami series. Quickly, the Bucks have gone up by two games here. I thought the Heat would get a game in Milwaukee. They almost did in game one, and then they just got absolutely smacked aside in game two. It was a rout from the start. Extremely disappointed, and I'm sure I I can't even imagine what Eric Spolstra must have thought of that game two performance. It was as flat as I've seen the Miami Heat in the last 20 years of NBA basketball. That's as bad of a playoff performance as the Miami Heat have ever had. And the Bucks are in complete command coming down here where I am to Miami. They're in complete control. And in my opinion, they're, they're really one win away. They're one win away. If they split in Miami, they're winning this series. There's no other way around it. The Heat are in big trouble. Their backs are against the wall. And I thought, I honestly thought this series could go seven games. I really did. I'm not sure that that happens at this point. And True Holiday has been a massive difference maker. In this series. He really has been. Remember the Heat? They brushed the Bucks aside in the bubble last year. And the whole rallying cry around the Heat organization was, no, the bubble did not matter. We're going to do it again in the arenas with fans back in the building. And they went to Milwaukee and did not show up in game two. So the Bucks are in complete command. I, again, the Heat at home could turn it around. It's a tough environment to go to in Miami, but the Bucks are just one away. I think if they win one in Miami, this series is over. I really do. I don't think the, the Heat will come back. Whether it's game three or game four, it doesn't matter. The Bucks need just one of them, and this series is done. So it's very, it's on a knife edge right now for Miami. No room for error the rest of the series if they want to get back into this. But for right now, the Bucks have got them firmly against the wall. That was a dreadful performance from the Miami Heat in game two. So we'll see how they bounce back. But for right now, they're in big trouble. 
The Heat are in big, big trouble against the Milwaukee Bucks. Then finally in the East, and we'll get to the West uh, in a second, the Celtics. Again, I, I didn't expect them to win this series, but I thought they'd put up much more of a fight, and the first two games in Brooklyn have just been, I, I mean, all nets. All nets. Again, game one was a little bit more competitive than game two, but game two felt a lot like the Bucks Heat game two. It, it was it was all Brooklyn from the jump, and... It's interesting how they're kind of fitting in Durant and Irving and then kind of having Harden almost play the third wheel on this team. He kind of has to. But Blake Griffin was really, really good defensively. Brooklyn were very good specifically in Game 2, although I don't think the the Celtics did not look up for it at times in the second half specifically in Game 2. But my gosh, the Nets could sweep. They could. They legitimately could sweep this series. The Celtics are in big, big trouble. They they just did not look good at all in game two. Listen, scene sets with fans in the seats, when the when it, the venue changes, it's a big deal, especially in a series like this where you, you just got battered in a game two when you're looking at where the Heat are and where the Celtics are right now. These are the two teams that were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and they were waxed in their respective game twos. So this is a very big game, three, for Boston. They have to win it. Same with Miami. Must-win game. There's never been an NBA team that's come back from a 3-0 deficit in a best-of-seven series. So this is a must-win game for both. I could easily see both of them winning it because of the home crowd, especially at Boston. But I could also see both of them losing it as well. These are not the same teams, it seems, that were there last season in the bubble fighting for a spot in the NBA Finals. It's just not how it's played out. And both of these teams... Again, the Celtics are dealing with a huge injury to Jalen Brown, worth noting. But for right now, it's not looking good for Boston whatsoever going into Game 3. And the the Nets are a team... Again, if you if you don't get up on them, if you, if you let them kind of get out and do their thing and build a lead, they're going to be tough to outscore the rest of the way. They have so many weapons that can kill you. If you if you fall too far behind, they will bury you. They, they, Kevin Durant was out for most of the season when all these times where the Nets would blow leads at times or not look good defensively. With Kevin Durant back and you fall behind, it's going to be really tough to catch up. It's just not a thing that teams, many teams in the NBA are going to be able to get away with against Brooklyn. You've got to get on top of them early and force them to take a lot of bad shots, try to come back into a game. That seems like the best way to beat the Nets at full strength, is to get up on them early, outplay them in the first quarter if you can, and then make them have to fight back. They have to get make them respond. Because if you if you fall behind, there are there're not going to be many nights in the NBA playoffs when they're not ready to put you down and put you away. I can't see that even with Steve Nash as the coach. I can't see that happening. So, Brooklyn is in complete command. Milwaukee's in complete command. See if it ends up being those two in the second round of the series. Philly in complete command. And the, and the Knicks and the Hawks are tied at one going to Atlanta for a big game three this weekend. So, it's exciting. The East Eastern Conference has been exciting. But again, 3-2-0 series. The Knicks-Hawks series seems to be the most competitive at the moment, I think if any of those two those 2-0 series can turn, it's probably Bucks Heat. I think that's got the best chance 
of turning at some point. But it also could be very three very quick series out in the East, 100%. So we'll have to see how that develops moving forward. But for right now, it's a good series between the Knicks and the Hawks going into a Game 3 in Atlanta. And then you've got the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Nets in complete command in their first-round series as well. All right, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll head out west for very, very compelling series out there with a lot of storylines to get to in L.A., in L.A. again, and also we got a bit of a storyline developing in Phoenix as well. All that more is coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we jump out to the Western Conference playoffs to wrap things up. Second half of our 100th episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. Again, that's a credit to you guys. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Hope you guys continue to enjoy it. For the numbers we keep getting, it seems like you are. Let me know in the comments below, at SJ7 on Twitter. Hit me up. Just another big thank you to you guys that we keep doing this show. You guys keep listening to it. It really is an amazing thing. So again, we'll jump out west now for the playoff picture at the moment. Almost every series has got a big storyline out west. A lot to deal with here. <laughs> We're talking about the Western Conference. The 1-8 series is tied at 1. Memphis goes into Utah. Donovan Mitchell misses game 1 with an injury. Bit of murky circumstances there why he missed the game. It's still up in the air. Was there miscommunication between him and the front office, him and the training staff, the coaches, the coaching staff and him? Something happened there that we are not privy to. And Donovan Mitchell did not play in game one, and it cost the Utah Jazz a game. They ended up falling 112 to 109, and it was not a great performance. I think Utah probably still feels they should have won the game, but Memphis took full advantage of not having to deal with Donovan Mitchell in game one and picked up a huge win frankly because now the scene shifts to memphis and memphis is they don't have the momentum because utah came back and thumped them for the most part in game two although memphis almost came back and made that a game they were in it for a little while in the third quarter but then utah finally put their foot on the gas donovan mitchell was a big factor in the fourth quarter rudy gobert was fantastic mike Connolly jr did his thing and utah even the series as we all expected with Donovan Mitchell back in Game 2. So that series goes to Memphis, knotted up in a game apiece, any one series, in my, in my opinion. But to be fair to the Utah Jazz, if Donovan Mitchell stays healthy the rest of this series, I, I'm not sure Memphis gets another game. If he keeps playing like he played last night, being that efficient in the time he had on the floor, I'm not sure the Grizz get another game. I really don't. But I don't know if he can keep that up because he is still, you know, a little banged up. So we'll see how that goes. So Memphis will still feel like they're very much in this series. They've stolen home court. They're going back home. 
and they'll expect to, to maybe get another one off of the Utah Jazz. But if, again, 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 if Donovan Mitchell's playing like he did in Game 2 the rest of this series, I, I think it might be a five-game series, and Utah will finish off the Grizzlies in next to no time. But that's why we play the games. We'll have to see how they do. John Morant looked great in both of the games. He looked like a veteran, even though he's making his playoff debut. So he looked great. The supporting cast, Valanchunas and company, they they did their thing, but it ended up being Utah behind that really deep team. Ingles, Bogdanovich, uh, on top of what Mitchell, Connolly, and Gobert bring to the table. They're tough customers. That's why I picked them to win the title. When they're at full strength, I'm not sure many teams can get past them. So we'll see how the Jazz do moving forward. they got a good path, but they have to take advantage of Donovan Mitchell being back in the lineup when they go to Memphis for... A big game three. It's a crucial game in the series, but I think Utah, if Mitchell keeps playing the way he's been playing over the last game or so, he'll win. He'll win it for them, and I think the Jazz will go on and win this series. The 2-7 matchup has gotten very interesting as well. 1-1 series between the Suns and the Lakers heading to the Staples Center for game three. It's funny how that ended up working out with the Lakers and Clippers both in the playoffs. Clippers had home court. Lakers didn't. So they don't have to worry about, you know, moving things around too quickly. And the schedule ended up being pretty easy for those two teams. But regardless, we'll get to the Clippers in a second. But for right now, you look at the fact that the Suns looked very good in Game 1. Looked good at times in Game 2. They take Game 1 99-90, but Chris Paul dealt with a shoulder injury, a shoulder contusion for most of the second half of that game. Made a shot, but then didn't look great in the latter stages. Barely played in the second half of Game 2. He fought as hard as he could to get out on the floor. Couldn't make much of an impact. AD and LeBron took full advantage. And the Lakers evened up the series. I thought that was a big Game 2. Considering the Chris Paul injury, and considering that it's going to LA for two more after this, I thought if, the, if Phoenix had gotten Game 2 even before the series started, they'd won the first two games, thought they'd win the series. But now it's 1-1, it's going to L.A., Chris Paul's not 100%. I know I picked the Suns uh, before the playoffs started, but I, I've got a very good feeling now that the Lakers are probably going to go on and win this series. They, the Suns will now not be at full strength. They've lost home court advantage. This was just the break. The Lakers needed it. It really was. I think the Lakers will probably win game three. I think they'll win game four. I think the Suns might get game five. And then I think the Lakers will win it at home in game six. That's where I'm at at, at the moment with this Suns-Lakers series. I think that was a huge turning point. The Chris Paul injury in game one. Suns did well to finish off game one. That would have been a disaster if Phoenix couldn't get that first game with, with Chris Paul not at 100%. But they won that game had chances to win game two. They fought back in the third. They fought back in the fourth. But not having Chris Paul late in the game for a decent stretch cost Phoenix dearly. It really did. And the Lakers took full advantage. AD was fantastic. Played a lot better than he did in game one. And they got just enough of LeBron to pull it out. So it ends up being a big win for the Lakers. They're right back in it. They have home court. They're dealing with an injured Chris Paul. I think the Lakers will go on and win this series in five, maybe six games. I really do. I really do at this point. I think I think the Lakers needed a break. They got the break they needed. I think they'll take full advantage. I think the Lakers will move on to the second round of the NBA playoffs. 
Now we look at the middle matchups here. We start with the 3-6 matchup in the West. Another 1-1 series. Portland came out against Denver in game one. Took it to them. Did exactly what you needed to do in a game one. Denver fought back late. It was tight down the stretch. But Portland pulled away late. They needed to get a good performance from Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Game went to overtime. They pulled away in overtime. They got the win. And Portland took home court right from the jump. But Denver had a huge response in game two. Despite Damian Lillard with an amazing second quarter flurry where he couldn't miss at the end of the first half. He was amazing for the Portland Trailblazers. But Denver slowly but surely in the third poked away at the lead. Denver went behind Nikola Jokic. It really, for a while in the second and the third quarter, it was Jokic versus Lillard. It was a shot-making master class. But in the end, Jokic and company pulled away late. They had a great fourth quarter. Wasn't too competitive in the fourth, to be honest. It was great in the first quarter. Second quarter was amazing. Third quarter at times off the charts. And then Denver really kind of stamped their authority on the evening in the fourth quarter. Pulled away, they even the series at a game apiece going to Portland for a huge game three. I think the winner of that game probably wins the series, in my opinion. I think with these other games, with these other, you know, 1-1 series at the moment, I think the, the it, it could go the distance, right? There's And this, this series could too, but I feel like the winner of game three is even more important in the Portland-Denver series because I just feel like home court in this series, I could be proven wrong, but I think... Den- if it gets to a game seven, I think Denver wins. That's what I'm trying to say. But if it oh, but if it gets to game six, and Denver's behind, I I think Portland wins. That's what I'm trying to say. So I think if it's three two going into game six, Denver's in front. I think Denver will will be okay if Portland wins and it goes to a game seven. They'll be at home. I think they win. But I think if it goes to game six and Denver need it. To send it to a game seven, I think Portland will beat them. I think Portland will move on. It's on a knife edge. It's on a knife edge right now between these two. A lot still can happen between Portland and Denver. But I can't wait to see McCollum and Lillard deal with Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. and company. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, by the way, was great for Utah. But Michael Porter Jr. for Denver has been fantastic so far in the playoffs. So we'll see... Those, those role players, man, they come up big in big moments. They can really lead you to victory in these playoff games. Massive to see Denver get back in that series and make it very interesting heading to Portland for what could be a very pivotal game three between two of the best in the West. One more playoff series to get to in the Western Conference. And this is probably the one I might talk about the most in the West because I... I have a bone to pick with the LA Clippers, a big one. Here's the deal, and get your head out of the gutter before I continue this. The Clippers, at the end of the regular season, and there's really no debating this at this point, tanked to avoid the LA Lakers on a path to a potential clash in the Western Conference Finals. They wanted to avoid their in-city rivals, So they had a better route to the NBA Finals while potentially avoiding them. That was their game plan. So they could have been the three seed, which means they could have played the Lakers in the second round. Instead, they dropped to the four seed, so they'd play Utah, potentially, in the second round, if everything went according to plan, right? 
Well, it hasn't gone according to plan. And, and this is the crap I hate in the NBA. And, and rightfully so, the Clippers look like they will be punished for what they did at the end of the regular season. Because Dallas has taken it to them in the first two games. Dallas has probably felt disrespected because they gave them a series in the bubble last year and they, and they thought, wow, they want to... They think they're, they're just going to roll through us. They think they can roll through us, they can avoid the Lakers, and they'll get to the title. Not so fast, my friends. The Mavs are not only two up, in the series, they've outplayed the Clippers in the first two games. The Clippers have been heavily reliant on Kawhi and Paul George. It has not worked out. And they go to Dallas with the Clippers in deep, deep trouble. Deep trouble. And frankly, they have nobody to blame but themselves. No one. I thought the Clippers would win this series. I thought Dallas might not be up for it. I'm ha- I couldn't be happier to be wrong. I really couldn't be. The script that the that the Lakers in Los Angeles tried to write has been ripped apart immediately. And the Dallas Mavericks look like they're going to steamroll the Clippers out of the NBA playoffs. And for that organization with the amount of money that's been put into them with Steve Ballmer's takeover They got rid of Doc Rivers to bring in Tyron Lue to appease the players. And then they tanked at the end of the regular season to face Dallas, who they felt they could get through pretty easily, I guess. And to avoid the Lakers, to give themselves an easier route to the NBA Finals, look like they might crash out in the first round. It's disgraceful. And rightfully so, it looks like the Clippers could get punished here for their own actions, their own mindset, thinking that they're... Don't have to worry about it. We'll be fine. We want the matchups we want. We'll get through... We'll get through Dallas. We'll get through Utah. Don't worry about them. And if we get the Lakers, great. We'll deal with them then. And if not, we'll win. We'll get to the finals. Arrogance from the Clippers. Nothing short of arrogance. And they will be punished. I think Dallas wins game three or game four, and I think this series will be over. I I think that Dallas is going to go on and finish the job. I really do. I think the Clippers might get a game. I think they might finally wake up and get a game in this series. I do. They're they're too good not to. But I think Dallas is going to win this series. I really do. I really do. I think the furthest this series goes is six games, and I think Dallas will knock the Clippers out of the NBA playoffs. And considering where their expectations were last year when they blew a 3-1 lead against Denver under Doc Rivers, it could be an even more embarrassing exit if the Dallas Mavericks punk them and get them the F up out of here and knock them out in the first round. And then... Tyron Lue and company are going to have nothing to say. It's going to be all on them. They will have no excuses. This is not how you should be going into an NBA playoffs. And the Clippers are going to get rightfully punished, it looks like, for it. Again, to be fair to them, it's not over. Game three could be a big turning point in this series if the Clippers can manage to get it. But Dallas, for me, they just need to split. They just need a split. That's all they need. 
Because they could go back and beat the Clippers in Game 5. They could go back to LA and they could beat them again. They've shown it already. So I, I, I think Dallas is in complete command. And I did not expect them to... Did not expect them to be in complete command. I really did not. I thought the I thought the Clippers would take advantage of home court. I really did. And it's come back to totally blow up in their face. And you brought in Tyron Lue just for this, right? Paul George was hurt in the bubble last year. They used it as an excuse in the Denver series for why the Nuggets came back from 3-1 down to beat them. There's no excuses this time. You got rid of a better coach... To bring in a coach that's only won a title because of LeBron James and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. And now, with with basically the same team from last year to this year, there's not many big changes on this team. They're going to crash out against, a, listen, a very good Dallas Mavericks team. No disrespect to them. They've been phenomenal. In these first two games. Luka has been magic. In the first two games. But they look like they're going to punk themselves out of here. They overthought it. They overthought it. At the end of the regular season. And it looks like. It really does. That Dallas is going to make them pay for it. It's honestly. The the biggest. Uh overseas they call it a bottle job it's just they're not i don't know if the clippers are choking again they did last year but this is a disaster from the la clippers it really is where do they go from here where do the clippers go from here you got Kawhi, you've got paul george it's a strong enough supporting cast where this should not be happening and then you brought in the you got rid of the better coach to bring in a coach you thought would be better with the players and it might be 10 times worse of an ending to your season than it was a year ago. And this is why this is why I could not buy in to the Clippers at the beginning of the playoffs. This is why. They didn't have the mentality at the end of the regular season to say, it doesn't matter who we play. We will beat them. You could put a team that God assembled in front of us. We will beat them. Their thought was, eh, maybe we'll want to avoid the Lakers. Eh, we'll find Dallas will be a better first-round matchup, maybe. Let's go with that. No, that's not, you can't have that mentality. That mindset cannot ever come into a team like that. Because this can be the result. This could be what happens. And the Clippers... Going into a series with a hot Dallas Mavericks team that had every right... To think they could go in and win has stolen the first two games from them. And have outplayed them. So Luka and KP find themselves in the driver's seat heading back to the Big D for game three. Feeling like they can maybe sweep the Clippers. Seriously. They might sweep them. It's possible. If they win game three, this series is over. The Clippers will not win this series. So game three is big time, gut check time for the LA Clippers and the future of this franchise. And I don't think I'm overblowing it when I say that. The next five years of LA Clippers basketball could be determined by who wins game three of this series. 
Seriously. The legacy of this team could be defined in Game 3 in Dallas. 100% is possible that that is the case. And Dallas, this is their time to stand up and make a big playoff push here under Luka. With Luka, they have not been past the first round. This is their time. They will feel like this is their chance to make a deep, deep run. This is, it's it's honestly, and let me know what your thoughts are on this Clippers situation. I could, t- I could write about them for another hour if I wanted to, but I got to get out of here. It, disgraceful. They handled it so badly at the end of the regular season, and Dallas might be about to put them out of their own misery here. It's a remarkable, remarkable development in that 4-5 Western Conference matchup. That's going to do it. For this week's episode of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast, 100 episodes up, 100 episodes down. Guys, thank you so much, as always, for listening to this show. For 100 episodes, you guys have been here through thick and thin. I can't thank you guys enough for that. I can't wait to see how this show grows with you guys moving forward. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't wait to see the Knicks playing again in the NBA playoffs. It just feels good even saying it against the Hawks in a big game three in Atlanta. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about how that series and the rest of the NBA playoffs develops next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Thank you guys again, and we'll see you next time.